Welcome to the First Church Message of the Week podcast. Thanks for listening in. Sometimes a launch feels like the end goal, the culmination of hard work and perseverance. But the launch is just the beginning of the journey. Something fresh, something new. A reset. Resetting our lives and preparing for a new season begins with remembering who we are and whose we are. God is faithful while we prepare for our journeys, embark on them, and remember what brought us to this place in the here and now. A reset can be a refreshing reminder that as God's beloved, God is never far from us. All we have to do is call on his name and let it be as we step out in faith. This week's message of the week comes from Pastor Jen Tyler, who shares the story of her own baptism and shares from Matthew 3 and challenges us to a reset as we launch into the fall season. Here is the First Church message of the week. Friends, today we are kicking off as a part of our fall kickoff. We are starting with a new sermon series as well titled Ready to Launch. Our hope as we launch into this new season is that this sermon series would guide us in ways of launching into new commitments in our own personal and spiritual lives as well. This seems like a good time for us to start and to celebrate new beginnings as we welcome new members and as we baptize folks. There's another baptism even next weekend. We are filled with joy and opportunities to celebrate here in our community. Whether uh, it is your first time here today or you have been coming for decades, something about this weekend and this time of year, well, It feels a little bit more normal than it has in a couple of years, at least for me. And I hope that's true for you, too. And so we are celebrating a great deal from our new members to our baptisms to our children who are getting new Bibles. There is a lot to give thanks for here at First United Methodist Church. And my hope is that as I start that list of things I'm grateful for, you are thinking of things that you, too, could add to it. But instead of listing all of the many things that we can celebrate together here in this place, I thought we would also talk about how we are celebrating what God is still yet to do as we launch into this season. And so as we prepare in mind, body, and spirit for all that is yet to come, I want to invite you to pray with me as we launch into God's word. Let's pray together. Holy and loving God, in this time, as we worship and honor you with our prayers and our presence, we ask that you would open our ears anew, that we might hear you clearly in our midst. Open our eyes that we might see you more clearly, and our hearts that we might love you more deeply, as you rid us from any and all distractions, so that all that we see and hear and know and feel and speak are of you. Amen. So as we launch into this new season together, we are going to start with a reminder and a grounding, an invitation to remember as we launch into this new time who we are first and foremost, and more specifically, whose we are. My hope is that as we do so, it will be a place for us to launch and to grow and maybe even to reset some of the places from which we are growing. And I thought, what better place to do that from than to start by talking about a story in which Jesus is entering a new chapter in his life and ministry. 
And he, in this story that I'm going to read, he is moving from his private life that we know very little about from his life as a young man into his public life of leading faithful followers towards God. It is a moment that he chose to begin, as some have here today, with a public declaration of his faith as embraced and lived out in his baptism. And so I want to read this story of Jesus' baptism as found in Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 through 17. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan River to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, let it be so now. For it is proper for us in this way to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus had been baptized, just as he came up from the water, suddenly the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, the Beloved, with whom I am well pleased. Here ends our reading today. Now, I have probably said more times than I can count about various different scriptures that that particular scripture is one of my favorites. But if I had to choose my number one top favorite story in scripture, this is it. I love the imagery of this story. I love the promises of it. I love how easy it is as that story is read for me to picture this scene and to picture that conversation of John and Jesus standing by the river. And I even appreciate that John seems a little unsure right next to Jesus, who is very clearly confident that he knows what should be next. And I appreciate the way in this story of Jesus' baptism and the way that it's told here, well, it's clearly not what is expected. There John is. He's standing by the river. He's telling people, if we read in the verses before, about how Jesus, this guy, is coming and he's going to be our Savior. And he is doing the work that God has called and equipped him to do. And as he's doing that, that's when Jesus comes up. Jesus himself, this one about whom John had been preaching, Jesus walks up to him. And John's immediate reaction, at least as I see it, is very much like I think many of us would react. You see, John isn't quite sure that Jesus should be baptized by him of all people. Oh no, Jesus, he's essentially saying, I shouldn't be baptizing you, you should be baptizing me. I mean, let's do it, he's saying, the way that I've prepared for, right? I mean, the way he imagined it would be. I imagine that when Jesus finally came, he thought Jesus would come and offer his blessing over John, not the other way around. And that makes sense, doesn't it? Can anyone imagine if Jesus walked in here today that we would feel right and appropriate about offering Jesus a blessing instead of wanting to receive one? Of course, we know that just because that's what John imagined and had prepared for happening doesn't mean that's what happened. Instead, Jesus assures John 
that the way that Jesus wants to do it is better. And so he invites him by answering, let it be so now. Let it be, he says. And what surely felt like a critical moment to all who were involved or privileged to give witness to this scene, I cannot help but to wonder, though, if Jesus telling John to let it be might have felt, well, a little wrong in the moment to John. I mean, it's a little bit like when I get worked up or excited about something, and uh, my favorite thing is not to hear in that moment, well, why don't you just calm down and take a deep breath, right? Just let it be, he says. It is what it is. It's okay. That is not an easy kind of response to get. And yet, if we think about it, that is exactly how Jesus lived, not just in this moment, but throughout his life. Jesus lived by letting go of any control or preconceived notions about what could or should be, at least within his own human or cultural norms. And instead, Jesus lived his life in a way that would let things be as God would have them. Sometimes for us to do this is easy and joy-filled. Like in this moment of baptism when Jesus comes up from the waters and he gets to hear the voice of God that is booming down from the sky, proclaiming Jesus as God's son, the beloved with whom God is well pleased. Other times, though, this isn't as easy. Even when thinking of what should be joyful at times, such as the moments of our own baptism, well, it can be pretty difficult, can't it? I know that's true in my life when I think of baptism. Uh, for example, one of the things that has always perplexed me a little about our tradition and the way we celebrate baptisms is that even today, for those who were joining the church who were baptized before, we gave thanks for and remember our baptism as we renew those commitments. Now, I don't know about you, but I was baptized as an infant, and so I have zero memory of that taking place. I have never even seen a certificate or any pictures of my baptism, and so someone telling me to remember my baptism is going to feel a little different than when Connie Sue hears those words in the future. And yet, I am sure, beyond any shadow of a doubt, that I, like Jesus, am a baptized and beloved child of God. And how do I know this? In part, I know this because of our commitment to live in community and share our stories together. I have been told the story of my baptism more times than I can count, and I have replayed it in my mind even more times still, so many times that it's almost like I can remember it. Have you ever heard a story so many times that it's almost like you were there? and you can remember it, that's how my baptism is for me. You see, on the day of my baptism, I can picture this scene. I picture my mother, who was pacing nervously in a hospital. She was fearfully wondering what was yet to come. As her youngest daughter, I was all of about seven months old when I was diagnosed with meningitis. 
And upon this diagnosis and having been in the hospital for a couple of days, the doctors had to be honest and say they didn't have any good news for her. They weren't sure I was going to make it and she should prepare for the very worst. Even if I did survive, they told her, it was hard to tell what the long-term effects or prognosis would be. I could lose my hearing or have other physical impairments. I, uh, they didn't know if there would be mental repercussions. They had no idea what might come, but what they did know is that it wasn't looking good. And so in these moments of waiting, I imagined my mother pacing back and forth in the NICU, doing the only thing that she knew how to do. She prayed. She prayed for strength and for courage for herself. And she pled with God asking for a miraculous healing for me. And that's moment is where she found herself offering specific prayers that maybe even go a little bit against what we believe, but in her desperation, nothing seemed to matter except for saving her beloved child. And so she pled with God, and she did that thing that none of us should do, but most of us probably have done when we plead with God, and we pray those fierce, bold words like, please, God, if you would provide this miracle that we long for. If you would spare her life, I promise you, I will do A and B and C and Z, right? And then she got specific. And then she started to say things like, I promise you, if you would spare her life, I will set her aside for great things. I offer you, oh God, unto her. I offer her unto you that she might grow to love and to serve you all of her days. And in this moment, as she took this step of courage that she didn't know she had, she offered me to God and then said, let it be, God, according to your will. No matter what comes, I trust in you. And this promise... She assured me and God and all who would hear that she would help me to grow close to God no matter what that looked like in this moment or the moments to come in life or in death. Let it be, she said, as she entrusted me to God's care. And shortly after she prayed these words, I was baptized right there in that hospital room by a chaplain whose name no one seems to know in that place that was believed at the time to be what would become my deathbed. In that moment, I was offered as God's faithful child whose life had been turned over whatever may come. Let it be, she said. Let it be according to God's word. These pleas and these promises, they continued well beyond that moment of my baptism, almost as if on repeat for fear what else might come. As she said, let it be according to God's will over and over again. And as she and my family waited, one hour of survival turned into two hours of a courageous fight. 
snippets of time turned into days. And my family continued to offer these courageous words and promises to God as we waited, unsure of what long-term effects might come to be. And yet several decades later, we now have the gift of hindsight and the privilege of knowing that we don't have to wait anymore. Because this illness that came so close to taking my life has had no long-term negative impact on me except for these promises that have never been forgotten. As a child, I heard this story, and I heard it as a hopeful promise. God has saved you for something special, my mom would say to me. Words that shaped me as I heard this story as a young child. Words that shape me still today. Anybody ever been with a kid who says, tell me that story again? That was me with this baptism. Now, it's important to name that I know that for many, these very same kinds of prayers, they can be answered really differently. Countless others in this same situation have not had their lives spared, And it's worth naming that that doesn't make me different or better or more beloved. I believe that God weeps with us in the midst of tragic loss, just as God weeps with us and walks alongside us in other challenges in our lives. And yet knowing for me that my story could have ended so much differently, well, it definitely takes my depth of gratitude greater as I wonder, how then might I live into these promises that were then made on my behalf? This question has shaped my life in a way that led me on this journey of living and loving and serving God through my calling as a pastor, a calling, by the way, that I blame my mother for. Uh, If she had not made these promises, my life might look a little different And it's a question that continues to linger still. How can each of us live into this promise and this question and this invitation? The one that Jesus provides for us here in this story that I love of Jesus' baptism. And in that moment when we are told that he comes forth from the water to hear these words. This is my son, the beloved, with whom I am well pleased, God says. Words that make me wonder, how could I, how could we live into these words of grace and of truth that are offered to Jesus and to all of us? For we are God's beloved in that moment of our baptism, long before we knew it, and well beyond it. From a young age, These stories served to remind me that indeed I was God's beloved and one of the greatest privileges as a pastor is that I get to share that good news with you too. You are God's beloved. You are God's beloved. Whether you were baptized as an infant like I was, or you are choosing baptism for the first time later in life as many have this weekend, Or maybe you're praying about the right time to step forward and choose baptism for yourself or your beloveds. There is one truth for all of us, no matter where you are on that journey, and that is that God has done 
is doing and always will do incredible things in your life. Whether it is the first time you have heard this promise or you have heard and believed it your whole life long, the truth is most of us struggle to understand and embrace that invitation fully, don't we? And yet the best part of this promise just might be that it is God's promise and God's promise alone. In our baptism, we are named and claimed as God's beloved, no matter what we have done, no matter what even we will do. We are God's beloved. Friends, that is not just a promise, but that is also an invitation. An invitation to respond, perhaps, as Jesus does in his first words spoken to us in this passage. Let it be so. Friends, might we live into the fullness of this invitation to let it be that God's love and grace can pour into and over your life. Might this invitation and assurance that you are beloved shape and mold you, perhaps even as it has me, and might it serve as a persistent reminder of the opportunity that we have this day and every day to start anew, to reset, and to trust in God as we hold on to faith with the knowledge that God is always near. For as God's beloved, God is never, ever far from us. All we have to do is call on his name and let it be as we step out in faith. Let it be so. Let's pray together. Holy and loving God, You have known each and every one of us since you knit us first in our mother's womb. You are with us with every breath that we take and in every moment that passes. And so may you help us to find strength and courage in your presence as we breathe in your spirit and claim our titles as beloved. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us for the First Church Message of the Week. To stay connected, subscribe to this podcast and follow us on Facebook. For more information like our church calendar, worship times, and upcoming events, visit our website at watertownfirst.church. This has been the First Church Message of the Week.